What's up, guys? What's going on? Holy shit. Apparently, we're back in the same room together because we have a fucking album out. Yeah. It takes a lot to get us in the same room together anymore. Some of us are drinking coffee. Some are drinking beer just to get fucking through this because... Yeah. Oh, God, Gary. It's definitely more of a beer event. For you. For me. It's always a beer event for but Gary. Th- have That's you stopped true. drinking from last night? Or are you still- uh, yeah, I I had like three coffees this morning. Oh. Yeah, so I... Impressive. Yeah, I've, I've spaced it out. So when Gary has to get up to pee every 10 minutes... <laughs> No, that's me. I'm, he's still got a healthy young bladder, you know, <laughs> not me. Oh, we're so energetic. Hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> what's up? What's happening? Sunday morning. Yeah. There'll be no energy here. Sunday morning. How do you guys, uh, how are you feeling about how the new album is like, being received so far? It seems like it's doing great. The reception's amazing. The, yeah, it, it's uh it, it's taken off like more than any of our other releases, like that initial hit. Yeah. Um, even Spotify is like 125,000 in, in wow. like album in, in like the first week and a half. I mean, yeah, it's, it's doing like amazingly well. So if we got 125,000 plays on Spotify, shit, we should get what about five, six cents. You're dreaming. <laughs> you, yeah, you, if we get, yeah. See, and that's, you know, that's the biggest problem. I, 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 I was hopeful. Industry, man. I know. I know. Hundred to you. People see that and, it, and the number is so great, but it's worse than stealing MP3s in my opinion, because unless you're someone like Metallica, you're not making money off of streaming. We, 125,000 fucking streams and we will see none of that ever. That's rough, man. Well, what people don't understand is somebody's making money off of it. Very true. It's not that nobody makes money off of it. And you know what? We're basing opinions on our past, so we'll see what goes moving forward. Uh, you we, know we what? Be, I like pleasantly surprised. I think it's great. I mean, I know unlike stealing MP3s, at least like we could keep track of it. It's like it's awesome to know. I mean, we we never make any real money off of this anyway, you know. No, that helps with promoters <clears throat> and future shows and things like that. They see the amount of like actual people, you know, generally listening to your music and that is a big help. So, and what's yeah. great is you can track by state and by country where those streams are at, so that it's helps awesome. promoters, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a it's a good tool. <clears throat> it's a tool. Like money. That's <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're getting it rolling. We're getting it rolling here. We got, we already got it. We already got a Mike dig and a Gary laugh. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's doing well, man. I mean, even it's 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 uh, one of the best reviewed records we put out. Of course, you know you can't please everybody. You oh know, no, we've had a couple, couple of couple duds, that. but uh, you know, hey, you know, there are bigger bands than us that get shitty reviews and they still do very well. So I'm, I'm not gonna. You know, not everybody has good taste. <laughs> I don't yeah. care about reviews anymore. We used to care about that shit like heavily, man, and took it like really personal. And then, man, that ate at us for a long time yeah, back in the day. And the, you you have to like not pay attention to that shit. When you realize exactly most of these people who are reviewing your stuff. I pointed out that one review. I don't want to mention any any names or anything like that. I don't want to give anybody yeah. because in general it was a good review. No, it was record. a good review. We liked it, but do you sit down and like come up with with these sentences that you can describe things with your thesaurus to try to sound intelligent and just string <coughs> these sentences together for everybody? Because 
it, you, you didn't review the record, man. You, you came up with like the most creative way to say something that you could. And it's, it's not clever. Right. It's just not, I, I mean, it, it comes off as kind of pompous and, doesn't even tell you what you even thought about the song. It just, <laughs> no, exactly. No. It's, Here's uh, a 15-letter word that I put in here to make myself look smarter, and it doesn't relate anything to the listener or the reader, you know? That's just our opinion, or my opinion anyway on it. it. It's like, I don't even care if it's poorly written, as long as like someone took the time to listen to it and write their feelings. I don't even care if they hated it. Right. Tell me why you hated it, and that's all good. I mean, that's... I mean that's. Well, that was always my complaint about the negative reviews is like i would tell sometimes we would get some bad reviews on old records and they were written really well and it was actually informative it was like cool man like i'm sorry you didn't like the music but like i'm glad that i know why like you made it clear to me what it is you didn't like about it and there were times where i took it into consideration i actually took it into consideration it's not necessarily going to make me change what i do but I was like, oh, okay, yeah, people aren't feeling that or whatever. I hear what he's saying about that. Maybe maybe that part was drawn out too long, you know, in that yeah, song. Right, right. Things like that, like, awesome, like, explain it. But so many times people are just like, yeah, this sucks. I think it's, it's funny lame. that with one of the reviews in particular, mm -hmm. they were mentioning um, – you know, songs that sound like certain things and inspirations that were from like three albums ago for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'll just put this out there. One of the funny things that keeps coming up and, and people are meaning it complimentary, so I'm not complaining, but one thing that keeps coming up in reviews and even comments I've seen on like YouTube and stuff like that are people who are like, man, this reminds me of Mastodon. And it's so funny because it's like, I've been into Mastodon forever you listen to Dark Host on a Photic. That, 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 that song is so fucking direct Mastodon. Mastodon. Total Leviathan on that. And it's like, and nobody ever said Mastodon. And then with this album, I I honestly don't think Mastodon was in my uh, <clears throat> orbit at all. You know, like around me when I was inspired to write for this album and everything. And like I listen to this album, I don't hear any Mastodon influence in there, and now everybody thinks it sounds like Mastodon, and I'm like, they're always wrong. Like, okay, well, you're a little <laughs> late, you know, eight years ago. People know. assume our influences and inspirations, and they're usually always wrong. Well, somebody picked up on that I was influenced by Queensrÿche on uh, Adagio. Nice. So actually, two people did. So I was like, okay, that was because. That that main riff in Adagio was like, yeah, it was kind of like uh, borrowing some mind crime kind of stuff, but trying to play like, like I said, like if Chris DeGarmo joined My Dying Bride. Oh, we've done that before. <laughs> yeah, that was a photo too. Yeah, that was kind of, but that's what I'm saying, you know, like people picked up on that finally. I was like, okay, finally somebody kind of got something right. <laughs> Still, nobody's picked up on my journey in Boston influences and stuff, and they're so blatant, so blatant, man. Because, Larry, how could you possibly be influenced by stuff like that? You have to be influenced by only Doom bands. And because we're like down here and all the other bands are here. So you, you take from all those Doom bands. You know you do. <laughs> no. I got news <laughs> for all. I got news for all you people. You may not know this, but other than like a handful, I don't like many Doom bands. I don't like many Doom death bands, especially. I, I anymore I don't really like that many metal bands like I, I do I'll always love metal but I, I don't 
I mean, and you guys, like, Mike, you don't listen to Doom Death. <laughs> Dude, he never has. <laughs> he's never like that. So he's, look, he's Diamond Head. Like, that's what he's all about. And you listen to his bass lines, and I think it's obvious, like, that's, like, your influence. Vito, you don't fucking listen to Doom Death shit. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody here that does, it's probably me. And the stuff I go to, I'll put Saturnus on. Right. I'll put, you know, it, it's the stuff to, I'll listen to the stuff, in my opinion, are the guys who started something. Right. Are the guys who actually have a unique sound. I mean, you have Saturnus and then you have, and again, I don't want to mention names because I'm friends with a lot of these guys, but you have a lot of bands that clearly were influenced by Saturnus, but you'll never hear that in reviews and things, no. but it's so obvious and it, it's like, if I want to hear that, I'm, I'm going to go to the masters that did it. I'm going to go to like. Right. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I even had it on our website for the longest time in our in my bio and stuff is like one of my biggest doom death influences from their old, old stuff was Pyogenesis, man. Ignis Creatio and, and Waves of Veritasia and all that. Like that's if you go back and listen to some of the stuff they do and then you listen to some of the stuff I come up with, you're like, oh, OK, I could see that like the way melodically it works and stuff. Nobody is ever in the history of my being in this band ever mentioned biogenesis in a review and i get but it's because bands like saturnus and biogenesis are a little more obscure in a way it's just easier to bring up the big three i have never in the in the history of this band been influenced by any other doom death bands vocally ever except for saturnus right and i said and that is and it, it it's it was the the spoken word. Thomas has got that like locked in like nobody's business. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's it's got it it, it makes the ladies quiver. He should do like romantic series audiobooks. Yeah, you know, he's and, and to me when I heard that, I was like, okay, that that's I, I need to strive for like that quality in the spoken word. Dude, I just came up with it. You know what we need to do? We need to make a channel on YouTube or something where we get guys like you. We get Thomas from Saturnus. We get Aaron from My Dying Bride. We get all these different, like, Doom Death guys. You know where I'm going with this? Danielle Steele novels? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Fucking gothic doom metal ASMR. So that, like, so that, like, goth metal chicks and pussy guys can listen to it and go to sleep listening to you guys, like, talk and just, like, read stuff. Just soft just and a- ASMR, sultry yeah. and audio sensory, whatever that. Oh, is that what that stands yeah, for? Yeah, that's when. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike can pleasure could, himself. <laughs> rubbing baby oil all over him at night. <laughs> With those Thomas from Saturnus talking in his ears. Oh, just, no. Just, oh, yeah. just softly reading the lyrics from the Somewhere in Time album by Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, no. Just... I think you're onto something. It'd probably be a huge hit. <laughs> Oh, and be, Mike would be like, Mike, there's nothing wrong with that. No. It's okay. Mike, I'm not complaining. Mike could get home from a long day of work and, you know, de- soak in a tub. De- you know, and be like, I think I need to hear Thomas whisper the lyrics for the loneliness of the long distance <laughs> runner in my ear tonight. <laughs> he would do that for you. He would. Yeah, I think he'd do it for you. Yeah. Well, Speaking out. Yeah. We should probably talk about it. You want to talk about it? Let's start from from track one. Let's let's start with track one, and uh, we'll throw out our opinions, what we like, what we dislike, any Petricor. little any little stories. Yeah. So Petricor is number one. 
Gary, you love this one. I know you do because I, I like the song. I don't. I don't know what a petrichor is. Is it a bird? Holy shit! That, that would be petrichorus. Um, oh. So that's like dew or something. <laughs> it's it? it, it's the smell of the earth after it it rains. Oh, it's, it's kind of yeah. Oh wow, that's deep. You're gonna learn a lot, Gary. I <laughs> yeah, think, apparently. I think, I think you're going to school today. Is what's mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> Because I got a feeling that's not the only word you don't understand in this record. <laughs> so, uh, um, you're married now anyway, yeah. man. You're fucked. Yeah. It, it, it Just wait till we get to it. You don't though. need your brain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Petrichor, now that Gary is informed on what that word actually means. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the first music I brought into the band for this album. That was like the first bit of music, actually. That and the music for Obelisk. Ironically, because like Obelisk, I think, was like one of the very last songs we finished. Yeah. Yeah. But that one took a while for obvious reasons. So, Gary, I got a question for you. Yeah. I know rehearsing this because we're going to play this album in its entirety next month. And I know like you always say opening with this song, you don't like it because you got to warm up to it. Is that, do you think, because it was the first song that came in and you had more, like, excitement and drive, so you put more into that, drum-wise, when uh, it was first No, written? I just, uh, well, the reason I say that it's a hard song to open with is just because there's a lot of fast stuff in that song, so. Well, that's why I'm asking, yeah. because it was the first thing that Larry brought in, and it was kind of like one of the first things you guys started working on, do you think that had a little bit more of, like, yeah, new material, and it, it kind of made you... No, I don't, I mean, no, I don't think that was the reason. I think that's what I just felt the song called for when we were working on it. And that song, we did start working on that song first, but it took a while. We kind of, you kind of redid that song after mm-hmm. we were playing it one way for a while. Yep. And so we first started playing that song, demoed it out, and then Larry didn't like a couple parts, so you changed. I think the verses became completely different. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I changed the song a lot, actually. So, and yeah, and that song, I did, that was kind of one where I never... I didn't really have anything I loved drum-wise, so I had to like go through a lot of different ideas for it. So that one actually took long, longer for me to figure out than the, than the other ones. I think out of all of us in the band, we're all self-critical, but I would, I would put out there that I am probably the most self-critical because I hate everything I come up with and do. I, I, I already can't stand listening to this album. <laughs> for that reason but I think right behind me is Gary Gary is always like man I could have done so much better like oh man I, I, I wish I would have came up with you you're always yeah. doing that like you're you're never totally satisfied with what you come up with man always. we always say that about Gary too when he's not around damn I yeah. wish Gary would have did better damn I wish Gary would have came up with something <laughs> I know better. so we're on the same page yeah, man we got page. you <laughs> yeah we never say that <laughs> no actually you're, you're one guy I don't think uh, that we ever really say anything about. We're like, how the drums? Drums are fucking great. Yeah. I, I don't have any complaints about anything you've done on this record. Thanks. Not one. Hey, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so the real reason we're here tonight. No. <laughs> we we got to talk to you about something, Mike. Uh, no, but seriously, like, what, what do you think of this tune? Because you usually tend to like the more upbeat kind of songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I enjoy it. It's, uh, it gets your fingers working mm-hmm. on that one, yeah. Yeah, it's it's got some 
uh, some fun up, ups and downs or peaks and valleys dynamically. Yeah. You know, where it's got uh, uh, some intensity that it builds up. And um, and then we get to that that middle section where, um, you know, it really kind of comes down and you and I are playing and there's real soft singing and then it... Counterpoint thing. Yeah, right, do. right. Yeah, that's really cool because we, we don't get to do that too often. I love in that middle section that, that I have that, that sort of flamenco yeah. finger style thing I'm doing and then you came up with that total Right, well, I heard what you were doing and I'm like, well, you know, I could match that but that's kind it would of have been kind of boring yeah. yeah you know and i wanted to do something there but didn't want it to be you know too over the top so well and what's funny is again i get that nobody's gonna pick up on it but my initial um influence for that part for just sort of the movement of it the dun 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 was from foreplay by boston <laughs> That's why even when the guitar when the when the guitars and drums everything come in, it goes bom, 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 bom. it's the same idea of having going from that quiet and then into the I, I again it's one of those things that I explain it, you go, Oh yeah, okay, but I don't think the average listener is gonna hear that and automatically go, Oh, no, because it's not it, so many of the bands that the influence is drawn from, people will never make that connection because right. they don't you're, you're too stuck in the idea that all oh, this American band that plays this style of music must be influenced by other bands that play this. It's like, right. man, not even in the slightest bit. Right. And it's, it's, uh, but what's, yeah, what's funny about the, uh, what you ended, and then, but what also helps that, I guess, is because you didn't play it so straight and you came up with that counterpoint, it mm-hmm. took it somewhere else. And what's cool about it is, the, the way I hear it, it now reminds me of part of uh, Masorksky. Uh, sorry, I can't even say that. I can't talk today, man. Play two games mm-hmm. in a row. Um, uh, Night on Bald Mountain mm-hmm. and everything. It's got kind of like a, like some of the coin yeah. over the, like the violins and stuff. Yeah. So it ends up like having this like classical mo- music influence in there, which is mm-hmm. totally awesome. <laughs> Not at all what I thought of. So yeah, it's funny because I hear um, the the keys that come in on that part too and the little like bah, 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 the Mellotron BOC song that it kind of That's reminds me of it was supposed to it was a song that was supposed to be in heavy metal but wasn't used so oh, it wasn't better I know what song you're Wars, talking about. Okay. The other one. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> see there you go. I mean that's that's cool, you know. That kind of, that stuff sort of like subconsciously like mm-hmm. leaks in there. And then that I mean that was yeah. Ben Johnson. Fire of Unknown I wish Ben was here. Was album, yes, right? yeah. Yeah. I wish Ben was here to talk about his stuff, mm-hmm. but the ever-elusive and hard-to-find mm-hmm. Ben Johnson, man. He's fucking rehabbing his house somewhere. Yeah. Crawling Stuck in a crawl space yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, he's somewhere. in a crawl space, <laughs> putting in some insulation or something somewhere. He's in a crawl space, making, getting it ready for the master who's being shipped over here from <laughs> Germany and shit. That's gonna... where we keep him. We keep him in the crawl space until we need him again for the next record. That's where Ben is. We're going to find uh, out. That's why Ben is so, like, elusive, only comes out at certain times because he's actually, like, uh, like... A German vampires Fuck, like did you uh, feed him? Yeah, because I forgot to feed him last week. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make sure. Then, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go, go, feed Ben real quick. I mean, what about you with the lyrics, man? Like, where? Do, what? What the fuck are you talking about? 
<laughs> oh, I want to know because I do shit. all these interviews, and then all anybody ever wants to know is, what's Paul talking about in this? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Go ask yeah, him. you know, I, a lot of this stuff on this record, like, either either some of it has a direct meaning, some of it doesn't, some of it was written through other people's eyes and other stories, and it, it's after, like, so many records from Twelk and the Fade On, I, I can't keep writing, like, the same personal shit because... My life's just not that interesting anymore. I, I don't have, I mean, I don't have that much to fucking say anymore. I kind of said it all. And I get to a point where I'm either going to start repeating myself or I have to draw from, from uh, other things. And, like, there are certain songs where I'll just start writing. And then they just kind of start to take on, like, form on their own. And Petrichor is kind of one of those on this album where, you know, like like a lot of stuff, it, it's, it's, it's about just change and and you know everything changes after rain and then that i don't know man it's just <laughs> this one's difficult this one's hard to pinpoint like one specific thing that i can tell you yeah this is what the song's about because it's about a lot of different things a lot of this album is a lot of things that like take place in your mind and i can get into that like when those songs come up because i had a conversation even with my kid the other day about the obelisk and she's like, it's just a song about a house. I'm like, it's not about a house at all. You have no idea what, you know, and I had explained it to her. And then she was like, oh, okay. And but I'm see, like. See, that goes to show how people don't get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes writing this time. I tried to get too fucking clever. And it's like, okay, I, I can't, I need to pull back on that a little bit. Because okay. the more clever I try to get, the more it bites me in the ass. And people just don't get it. And it, it, it goes like way over people's heads sometimes. So. And I do that on purpose. It's like I try to have that mystery and that that, uh, that that I want people to think about the lyrics. And sometimes it just it's too much, and they just <laughs> you'll never get what I'm actually trying to say or talking about. It. I mean, shit. Even guys in the band don't know what the shit means. Like the word. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> and that's my fault. And I, I you know, I, I tend to get over clever with things sometimes. But you know, sometimes it makes it more interesting. Sometimes it makes it annoying. Sometimes it makes it trouble later down the line when you have to like constantly explain yourself. Right, you know that fine line between clever and stupid, right? Yeah, you know I gotta dumb it down for guys like you. <laughs> wow. Nah, just you know, lyrically, I mean, my approach is kind of the same as it always is. I I, I need to draw from different experience, personal experience, people in my life, their experiences, and and it's just. Uh, you know, it's usually dealing with struggle of some sort, because that's that's pretty much fucking life. It's a struggle. <clears throat> okay, we're back now after I fixed the shit that Gary broke. I didn't break it. <laughs> also, it's kind of unreasonable to have a toy box tacked to a wall. Yeah, well, maybe don't be a bull in a china shop. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's your last beer. And then we'll be all good. I haven't forward. even finished my first one. Um, <laughs> we were just finishing up Petrichor. Yeah, moving um, on to uh, uh, the only other the only other thing Petrichor. It's the first time I tried that vocal style. That's, that's right. That's the only uh, new edition. And then everyone is, you know, got all their where my thoughts were and this and that. It's it's fucking old cathedral. That's that's where my idea came from. You know, all going back to like the Soul Sacrifice EP. Ebony Tears, the leaves, you know, yeah. it's all that, that like, Lee Dorian, it's like, that's where I drew the inspiration from. And nobody's picked up on that. Well, Thank I didn't you. try to sound like him, but it, it right. was that, that, that singy grovel, Lee Dorian was like the best at that, so right. to me, that always was in my mind. And 
that's a good know. point, you know, again, with people that always bring up things that influenced us, and me and you, is they bring up, it's always, Paradise Lost, My Dang Bright, Anathema. And the funny thing is, is out of all of, all of that, out of, out of all the British Doom, Death, whatever bands, the one that actually I was way into and influenced me was Cathedral. And I never yeah, hear yeah. anybody bring up, probably because we don't rock as much as them. Right. But like, yeah, I mean, shit, man, come see us on tour. It's like almost every time I line check at a show on tour, I play Cathedral riffs. Like right. it's because I it's that tone that I'm going for. I think there's a big misconception too with people. There's a huge difference between inspiration and influence. Right. And I think people don't quite understand the difference between the two when they talk right. about this stuff. You can be inspired by these bands. You know, I can be inspired by My Dying Bride just at, at what they've accomplished, at, at, you know, the quality of their music. It doesn't necessarily mean it influences me to want to sound like that band. Right. You know, there's a huge difference there, and I think a lot of people, that kind of goes over their head, and they just yeah. assume they're the one in the same, and they're not. So what was the influence, do you think, behind the witness marks your lyrics and stuff witness marks is 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 uh it, again it, it's about erasing the witness marks the witness marks as as uh they they are marks in a grandfather clock and they are when when you need the clock repaired they used to bring people in and those people would repair the clocks and then they would put their etchings inside on the gears and things like that to show their history of what happened to that clock so it, it's to me it was like that that uh that history of, and again, the clock, all this stuff kind of, it, it, it plays in and like I use the clock as like the gears of your mind and things like that. And so the song is more about kind of erasing that history of your fixing throughout your life in your mind. And it's it just, I get deep with that shit like that. I overthink this stuff when I write lyrics and I write it in a way where people like hear and go, I would have never got that from it. It's like, yeah, well, because that I, fine line, right? <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's basically the witness marks. It's it's erasing like all that time that you took to fix yourself, to fix your mind, all the trouble that you've had, and then there comes that point where something can erase all of that, and they're back to fucked. So yeah. it's it's kind of like you know one little thing can erase all of the, the work that you've had done, or or you know, interesting. That's kind of where that one goes. Interesting. What? How, where does this song rank for you guys? Like. How do you how do you guys feel about this song? Because this is all kind of new to me. Like I haven't really talked. Gary and I talk a little bit about this stuff, but like, you know, I don't know like what songs are like your guys' favorites and not, and what your favorites to play and all that stuff. What do you guys think of it? This is up there for me. It's me a too. lot of fun to play. I think Witness Marks is is within my top four on this record for sure. Nice. Yeah. Not you. Middle of the pack for me. Middle. Yeah. Not you. Uh, yeah, I like. Um, I like playing it a lot. It's really fun, and um, uh, I think it's a good. Yeah, I think it's a good song. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I give it an eighty-five. Yeah. (laughs) What about you? Because I know in the beginning, I I didn't think you were too crazy. I wasn't. I wasn't actually. It was kind of like. It felt like a utilitarian song to me in a way. Like I liked the riffs and everything, but it was just sort of like I didn't dislike it, but I was like, eh, it's okay. But now, like since we've started rehearsing for the shows coming up and stuff, it's like 
uh, now that we're playing it and doing it, I'm like, man, I, I, yeah, I like this song. It's actually one of my favorite songs on the record. I draw opinion a lot on that, too. It depends how we do it live and how's it, how it feels in rehearsal and when we start building up. It changes my opinion on songs. It, it, it does do that. Yeah, it, it, it did. And some of the other songs, when we get to them, I'll bring up even like there's some that are kind of in the opposite, you know, but there are other songs that I like more now that we've been playing it and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. There's not too much to say about this song, I don't think. I mean... When we demoed it, um, that was one of the the earlier songs that you had vocals on. And, um, or at least of the demos that uh, I, got. I remember. Yeah, the, the first two, Adagio and Witness Marks were yeah, the first two yeah. songs I had vocals for. And yeah. the way that those vocals came out when we were just in the jam room um, playing it, it had a uh, like a fear factory vibe to me. And I don't know exactly why. I think it was because yeah, the notes that you were in the chorus in particular. I, I can hear that. The notes that you were like totally not where I went with that, but that's right, right, right. Two of you guys are hearing it. That's kind of oh, cool. Oh yeah. But then okay. I love Fear Factory. Right. If you that, go back that, to those demos and listen to it and kind of get Fear Factory in the head, and you you'll probably hear what I'm talking about. Uh, okay. But then when we got into the studio and you actually did it. The way that you know you intended it to be mixed with what was subordinate, what was dominant, to uh, harmony, harm, harmony-wise, huh. you know that totally changed the vibe of it to me. So I was kind of surprised when I when I heard the the mixes coming from Dan that the the vocal line of the uh, the chorus was as different. See, as but that's di- that's that's with Dan. I, we send him all that stuff, and I, he gets notes on like. Vocals especially. Okay, this is the dominant vocal track. This is the background stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he ignores it. Mm-hmm. And I think he puts... <laughs> no, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think he goes, yeah, whatever, Paul, and throws it all aside and he puts all the vocal stuff and he starts mixing it to what he thinks sounds mm-hmm. good. And then he sends it to me and I instantly I go, well, he put my, my backing track as my dominant and this and that. And then I listen to it and I go, damn, he's right. That sounds mm-hmm. great like this. And then it fucks me up for the future because now I'm like, <laughs> like this album especially going through everything going... Man, I can't sing that high part as my dominant live, and then it's, you know, so I have to like rethink all this stuff after the mix. But you know, in the long run, I think yeah, he, he makes the right choices when he mixes vocals. He really does. That's because he's such a good vocalist himself. He knows, you know, how to do that shit. So, what were you saying about um, the bass for the for the witness marks? That was one that surprisingly had one of the trickier parts to record for me. Because when I was just working on my my parts for it, um, I was just kind of playing through the verse uh, pretty straight. But there's a little slide that you guys have in there right for one of the transitions. And I remember sitting there with Chris for spending way too much time for what it felt like it should have taken <laughs> to get that recorded. Because I just couldn't get the feel right of where that, that little slide was coming in in the verse. It's a little tricky. but Yeah, my influence on that was Morbid Angel. Hmm. Nice. Big time, yeah. That was where just that, that kind of like slidey that that tray has it up. Yeah, probably something why it was so weird for me. That's totally not in my wheelhouse. And we got the criminally insane part in there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we had to, every band, every metal band worth their salt has to at least have, have one. one criminally insane. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we ever, you know, we've yeah. never done that before. I don't think so. That's uh, we we got it in. We can check that one off the list. So, want to move on? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, move on to the next song, the title track. It's interesting how many people don't know what Nephilim is. 
there's multiple meanings. And I mean, right. even, even it's funny because um, going back, even uh, Andy from Bride, when I sent him stuff early, he was like, uh, so are you going for the biblical meaning or are you going for him? <laughs> like, you know, only you. But no, yeah, it, it is strictly the uh, the uh, the biblical term of what Nephilim and it's, uh, you know, the offspring of a angel and a human, I guess is. Right. So that's kind of like the where it draws from it. The song itself is just really, it, I mean, the cover kind of says it all. It's like, if you if you look at the sheep as basically mankind, we're all following something. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to a good place or a bad place. It's just people in general need to, especially today's day and age, man, with everything, you, everyone's got to pick a fucking side and they got to defend yeah. that side. Whether they know what they're talking about or not, they just have to be a part of it and they got to pick a side and they got to fight for it and... It's to extremes now where people will fucking trample each other in death just to prove their their <laughs> point. Even if they don't even know what their point is, oh. they just got to be a part of it. You know, people are passionate about things, yeah. but it's not even passion anymore. No. It's just following along with the rest of the flock. It's, it's the trending thing to get on board and be for something or against something, whether it be... I mean, I won't even go with sports because that's been a long time tradition. Sports! You, you, you root for the team, you know, and I, I get that. But when it starts getting into, like, blown out fights and people being belittled because, you know, you use an Apple phone, you're a fight. You know, it's like, okay. You like Terminator Dark Fate? No. <laughs> right? I, I'm with you, man. It, it's, well, it's got you a know, point. It's just uh, everything has got fucking extremes and it gets it, it's difficult man we live in a weird time yeah we do and that's kind of what the title track and just the overall thought is it it's not religion it's it's not political it's just people in general every time you touch on any kind of pseudo religious topic we automatically just get bombarded with people. That's touchy. I get it. On on both sides. Mm-hmm. We get people that are like, it's fucking awesome that they're, you know, into Night's Requiem Inferno, and he's got, yeah, let those fucking demons get that baby Jesus, and blah, blah, blah. And then you get all these other people that go, oh, you know, I always liked your band because you weren't one of those kind of bands, and now you're all religious, and you're anti-religion, and you're anti-Jesus, and Man, you're that, satanic, that so, and it's like... If you go through, I am a big fan of religious and biblical art and you go through and look at all of that history of of renaissance art that were painted there is stuff far worse than anything i've done on an album cover that are hanging in churches in europe and it's like okay it's depictions of things and stories that were written in text and and they 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 told a story at the time and and that's all it is, man. It's stories and it's art. I'm don't read too deeply into anything that that I say or or any of the stuff that we put out as far as imagery goes. That's all it is. It's imagery. It, it paints a picture. I'm not preaching anything. Well, think about how many people think just because you say in our old song Autumn Reflection, just because you say I thank the heavens above <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, they're, They're a, a religious band. band. Yeah. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm like, really? From <laughs> that line? Like, that, that's such a common... Heavens to me is the star. Right. It's just, yeah, it's, just it's... thank heavens. I say that all the time. Thank heavens. It's not like I'm sitting and going, thank heavens, and then crossing myself 50 <laughs> fucking times. It's like, it's a fucking... 
turn of phrase, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Chill the fuck out. People, again, it goes back to the whole thing, like Nephilim Grow. It's the, the extremes, and it's like, don't read that deeply into this stuff. It's not that serious. We're a bunch of stupid long-haired dudes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, well I'm, in a bald dude. I'm making <laughs> shit up to confuse you on purpose. I, I'm, I am not preaching anything. I'm not... Yeah. It is what it is. It's art. Just take it for what it is. Well, and that's the other thing. It's, yeah, people always want to know, because they, they ask me, you know. And it's cool. I, I don't mind them asking. Uh, they ask you, too. They're like, well, what is this song all about? What is this song all about? And it's like they don't understand that there's a lot of intentional ambiguity with our songs, that we don't necessarily want to spell it all out for you. you no, know, we're, we're not, like we're fucking not the dead side. You know, it's, right, you know, yeah. it's not obvious. <laughs> you know, no, I'm. it's not like that at all. It's I like using that kind of stuff, imagery, terminology, as a reference, as, as exactly just that. It paints a picture, and it paints a very bold and vivid image in someone's mind, and that's all I'm going for. I have to paint pictures with words. That, but the problem is, is that people think that their image, they, it, it backfires on us because we want it to be ambiguous so that right. people get different things. But then people think that their interpretation of it is what it is, is that they, they must be that he said, he said devil or he said demon or he said heaven. Well, he must be talking about hell and heaven and God and Satan. It's like, no, that's your interpretation of it. And if you want to interpret it that way, be my guest, but don't put it on us and automatically say well now you guys are a satanic band well now you guys are a religious band or what it's like oh come on we are all of that and none of that at the same time <laughs> exactly it, it doesn't there is no one thing i will i will tell whatever story that i want to tell at that time and people are going to draw whatever opinion they want but it's it's never preaching if that's the one thing i can stress and get across i'm never preaching anything draw your own conclusions man i'm not going to tell you what to think how to live <laughs> that's that's up to you to figure out. You know, I'm just painting a picture. You can like it or not. What do you guys think of this song? Like, how does this song rank for you? Again, top four or five for me as well. It's up there. It's on, it's on the top half of the album for me. Okay. How about you guys? Probably lower half. Really? Damn. Don't care for this. <laughs> it's our own. I see. I see how it is. <laughs> it's not why. Um, I you know I'm just basing it right now just how us performing in the room and stuff you know, so it's not as energetic as the other songs. It's not that it's bad. It's just you know not as energetic. I it's guess not, it's not as nevermorey <laughs> as some of the other songs yeah. could be. It's nothing you'd hear on a Seven Dust album. It's not. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like. Uh, I think I like the um what the keys do the song the most out of any of the songs keys the album. are awesome in this song. Mm-hmm. yeah keys took this song to another level for me i think they got buried a little bit in the yeah, mix i was bit. the one that wanted to turn them up remember yes you did you guys were all like they're fine and i was like turn them shut up yeah probably should have listened because i yep. do think that they they could have gone up a little bit more ben does some amazing stuff i think that gets a little bit lost in this and that's unfortunate but uh yeah probably our fault Mm-hmm. We didn't listen to Gary. Specifically. You should have listened to Gary. <laughs> yeah, I think this one's probably in the top half for me. Cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I enjoy it. I like, you know, kind of opposite of what Vito's saying. I love the, the dynamic flow to it. You know, the ups and downs of hearing it live and how, you know, 
the the energy just kind of dissipates and it's very you know airy and sparse right. and then we come in and we pummel you with the heavy and then it goes back to it and the ebb and flow of it is awesome yeah i agree i, I really <laughs> like the atmosphere and the back and forth and the dreamy feel and the the, the punishment yeah it's cool I, yeah. I i really like the flow this, well yeah go ahead. this song always makes me giggle a little bit though because i remember the first time that paul came to us with the title and the first thing that popped into my head was the doobie brothers china grove oh, yeah <laughs> and i said something paul didn't didn't get what i was talking about but, no i didn't yeah the china grove and then we were in the studio and we realized <laughs> that we it, don't want to do that Larry, if, if you fucking do this <laughs> See, we should explain to the audience. Wait a minute. We should explain. We're not going there. We're going to explain to them. I won't tell them what it is, but we have this really bad habit. Me in particular, I'm always the instigator, and I I apologize. It's a bad habit, but I cannot listen to lyrics, especially our lyrics, and not parody them and change them around. (laughs) Constantly changing them around. And unfortunately, there have been times we've brought this up in public to fans and friends and stuff and then the songs basically just become ruined because we play shows and people actually sing those parody where lyrics. they'll shout out the mm-hmm. parody song titles and, yeah. and it just gets to a point where it's like that shit starts to happen and I go I don't ever want to fucking play this song <laughs> ever again because of that one asshole in New York <laughs> you know it, it's just or wherever it's it just and I, I, I'm thinking of one guy specifically who yeah. did that at a song oh yeah yeah and that kind of stuff it's like it's one thing when we joke around as a band and, and we can but when it gets out and like these people think they're like close enough to you to have that fun with you it's like okay yeah that's our problem was we do overshare I think so I'm not going to tell you people you can come up with your own no let's not but but, uh yeah if you Uh, like us to play this song you better fucking not because I'll I'll never do it again (laughs) but as for me with this song um it's okay it's kind of interesting because my feelings about this sort of vacillate between your guys opinions of it like I, I, I like it more, I guess, than Vito does, but I don't care as much for playing this song as I do for listening to it. I, I get that. You lose some of that dynamic, I mm-hmm. think, that's really important to the song when you try to do it live. I love this song on, on the record. I think it's great. I love the lyric video. The, fucking awesome video you know um yeah the animation on that was, yeah it was good so well done. The, the artwork for this album is you know just sublime it's so good man yeah it's you to know. me it's it's some of my favorite stuff that we've had made i mean easily i i love this artwork like i've never considered once ever getting any of our own artwork like in a tattoo and i'm looking at this going Man, I wouldn't mind like that character. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever would, but it's this is the first time I've actually thought about it in that way. Going, you know, we we we've always, for, well, mostly had really good artwork, you know. Oh yeah, and we get a lot of compliments on it. But I don't think I've had as much compliments from a wide variety of people—people people that aren't even into metal, people that are. And that have just seen that album cover and said, man, that is a striking album cover. Your dad. Yeah. I had a conversation with your with Gary's dad about it. He was like, man, your album cover is great. He brought, he brought it up to me at the table, too. Yeah. He was making his yeah. at the wedding. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. All right. So the next song is, which, what is what next? We become. Oh, that's right. 
with the crickets and the yeah. atmospheric intro thing. So pretty. So beautiful. That's the sound that Mike hears when he's out on his back patio at night, just in his skivvies. <laughs> Listening to some Saturnus ASMR. <laughs> well, maybe if it's cold, I'll have the skins. <laughs> <laughs> Likes to feel that ball breeze, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, there's a lot of foliage. So I <laughs> now and then he finds a nice leaf to just kind of rub on him. Stuff. This is a good it's nipple a leaf. Cool <laughs> Until you realize it's the poison ivy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oof. I would not wish that upon you, man. Just a chill in the air. Thomas in your ears. Your <laughs> nipples are so hard they hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Paul. What have we become? <laughs> Mike wins a point for the good segue there. Yes, he does. So, yeah, this song. Now, is this a personal song or a story song? Story, 100%. There's okay. nothing personal. I, I tell you where this came from. And God damn it, now I'm not going to remember. There was a, a, a husband and wife couple, and they reviewed a couple of our uh, videos yes. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But I, they did an autumn reflection video. And I watched it, and like within a couple minutes of the video, she got really like emotional about it and choked up. And I'm like, Man, to, to reach a stranger on that level with our music and with lyrics or something like that and, and to, to reach like that emotional level, I think that's something really humbling and, and it's really special. Like, it's it's special when I can do that. So as soon as I saw that happen, I thought I, I need to I need to do that again. I need to write a song and Autumn Reflection is pretty specific because it's it's about a child and you need a very specific I wanted something that can reach people on the same kind of emotional level but that everyone's going to go through at some point in their life so this song was very much written with everybody in mind it's not a personal story but it's something that I think most people at some point will know what it feels like to love so greatly and have that not reciprocated or that they were in love and it kind of broke apart and they don't have that anymore and one person is longing for that and waiting for that to return and hoping that returns where the other person is I'm done with it and then they can't quite find that place again in life I just think that that's uh, I wanted a topic that could have been very personal for the most amount of people that I could have reached with a song so if there's anyone on the album that is so straightforward and so story involved and not personal, this is the one. And that was with intent from the very beginning of writing it. There's no hidden messages here. It is straight up, like, made for you to hit you in the feels. That That's basically what this was meant to be. By feels, he means your private parts. Yeah, whatever, whatever tingles, man. Whatever tingles. <laughs> Tickling. Nipples. It was. I think it's a good taint tickler. You get the Peter Tingle. Peter Tingles. <laughs> Whatever tingles, man. Whatever tingles you. Hopefully this song will tingle you in some way. So this one is... This started out as a Vito predominantly song, musically. Yes. But Which I probably. hated this when I first brought it in. Yeah. I thought it was very boring and... You were wrong. Stuff we've done before in the past. and Yeah, I, I guess so, but... Yeah, I like how it came out in the end, though. Where I think it's it for you. Um, 
bottom half. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, right it's in like the top, the, the, yeah. yeah, the upper half of the album, I'd say, top half. I like it. I think this was the first one I tracked in the studio. Mm, I I, yeah, I can see that. I can see you warming up with a little bit slower one, and yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's some cool parts in it though. Just a couple. Yeah, a couple two tree. How about you? Yeah, I like it a lot. If you remember with the intro, that was the one I came in where I had that crazy thing that I was overplaying again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad that I have to keep doing that to you. No, this one was, was but right. I, because what I came up with like works way better for it. It's I just, mean, yeah, I was so disappointed how well you guys work together in the studio. <laughs> I came to this track and hoping to see fisticuffs. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, that's a good idea. Mike. I love you, man. I love yeah, you too, man. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's like, what the fuck so, did I come up with? <laughs> he literally did. That's, people think people think we're being funny. It's the truth. Gary literally came to the, ba- to the bass tracking mm-hmm. session because he wanted to see what kind of fireworks were going to erupt right. mainly because... Well, between a me and context, Mike. what was the song on Blood White? Usually um, there's at least just one just song yeah, just on all breathe. the other albums I that, that I hear a story I wasn't even about. there, and it's legendary. Yeah, for, for Just Breathe, I had a I'm part never going to hear the end of it. That, you know. I still never heard it. I still have no idea what <laughs> yeah. the bass line was. I want to hear fine. it so But regardless, there was, there was some friction that day between Larry and I. And I think uh, Gary was looking forward to, to yeah. some of that. Well, here's the difference. Here's, in all seriousness, here's the difference. Even though you'd been in the band a couple years at that point when we did the Blood White album, you were still kind of feeling your way around some of the ideas because these kinds of songs like Just Breathe, What We Become, that's, that's not your typical go-to type music that's not generally when you if you if you were to sit down and think about i'm gonna write a song all on your own that is not a mike feldman song <laughs> no, it's not. and that's not a put down to you at right. all no, it's I just it, it's just it's not your thing you know mm-hmm. um so which isn't to say that you can't and you you have come up with great ideas for those kind of songs but i think when we did just breathe you were still you were looking at it from a certain point of view which I understood, but the rest of the band and the producer was looking at this song from a completely other point of view. Mm-hmm. That and it just and you just were like, I don't get it. Why can't? Why wouldn't I? Why shouldn't I do this here? It makes sense to me, and I totally understand why it made sense to you. But it was just like, oh, you're just. It's like if we're two, if a bunch of different painters looking at a canvas that's like you know, paint, and the canvas is maybe got like. A, a red color on it you might look at it and be like oh that needs black that needs blue blah 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 and the rest of us are looking at it going no man we see green we see this we see other hey, Mike, colors you know it's that fine line it's the fine <laughs> line yeah it's the fine line between clever and stupid but no 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 seriously so i think that what happened was by the time we got to this song mm-hmm. and this album you like Get it. Get it a little bit more. You had the initial idea that was just a little bit too busy. Well, I knew I wanted to do something there. I just wasn't entirely certain of what I wanted to do. And I think that was more the case, was that it was it was more of a less defined idea you came in. You actually, uh, you got me channeling Geezer. You said, think Geezer. Which was, was like, awesome. Oh, okay, yeah. And then it clicked. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, I'm happy with I it. I like when you play stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I love to hear hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love the vibe that we captured with that intro now. It's 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 right. Yeah. 
I like my guitar solo on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the solo is good. Mostly. No, the solo is great on this song. I have I have more favorites than this one of yours on this record, but this this is up there. This is top three solos on this record for me, from you, for sure. Okay, well, let me amend that. I like this guitar solo more in the orchestral matte variant version. Mm. I think my guitar solo sounds really cool in the context when it's just the orchestration behind me. No drums, all that, no bass, none of that kind of stuff in there. No, no distorted guitars. I think the guitar solo works really cool in that context. And it's... <laughs> people are going to laugh at me for this, but it reminds me of the guitar solo that Vito Brada plays in When the Children Cry by White Lion. <laughs> Especially because I get into the two-hand tapping in there and stuff, but there's that it, it, the way that is, because there's no drums in the guitar solo, and it has this more like sad, dramatic effect in the Matt variant version. If people don't know what we're talking about, if you buy the two-disc version of Nephilim Grove, you get bonus songs that you won't get on the regular one. And one of the bonus songs is a, a different take on what we become. Yeah. And, yeah, the guitar solo in there, I just... What, I was happy enough with it when I heard the final album, but then when we got Ben's remix and I heard the guitar solo, I was like, oh, yeah, that's more what I wanted, you know? Like, that was awesome. The only other thing on what we become, like, when, when we do this stuff, when I demo stuff at home... My living room becomes like the studio and I have the laptop and the mic and I have all this stuff and I write lyrics and I demo all this stuff. And I remember I, I get up early before anyone else and I start working on this stuff. And I remember doing this like the first time it came to me and I'm singing this stuff, doing the demo, you know, the one day you love me like, and I remember like Nikki, like eventually coming out of the room looking all sad. I'm like, no, it's, it's not about you. Know? <laughs> seriously, seriously, it's not. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it difficult one to write something like this and try to convince people that I'm not singing about somebody because I know there will probably be people who will assume that it's about them and it's not. Here's kind of a weird question. I I, I don't know. It might not apply to everybody in the band, but do, do you guys when it comes to like coming up with your parts, like whether it's we send you a demo and you you have to come up with your bass parts or I mean you you're usually you don't have much choice I guess but you have to be at your kit in the practice room. Yeah. But do you guys have a thing where you do you need privacy when you come up with your stuff or do you are you like oh I don't care like I'm I'm good with having a girlfriend, a wife, a kid, of uh, you know, your your one of your kids, uh, a friend, anybody around when you're writing, or do you are you like, no, I don't want anybody to hear what I'm doing. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Do you do you feel the need to close yourself off? Lyrically, I can't have any. I have to be alone when I write lyrics. When you write the lyrics, but but yeah. not so much your your melodies and stuff. There's a lot of times where like I'll ask people's opinion on things and I'll okay. listen to what they say and I'll be like, what do you think of this? What if I did something like this? What about this harmony? Like I'll ask and I mean, even, even, uh, Rhiannon, like I'll, I'll, she's, she's really good. And like her opinion does mean like a lot to me when I like, I'm like, what do you think of this? Cause she's really into harmonies and things like right. that. So, and there's things on this album that she hated. So, I mean, and still hates, which is funny. Interesting. Yeah. Huh, we should have got her on here. She thinks she thinks Nephilim Grove is the greatest song that the band has ever written in our entire catalog. That is her favorite song, 
And I think the least favorite thing, in her opinion, is the Obelisk. She hates that song. Hmm. Hates that song. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe her opinion will change now that she actually knows what it's about, but I don't Maybe. know. Anyway, so no, for me, like, I will try to work out as much as I can by myself. And then they'll reach that point where it's like, if I'm really struggling, like, there's certain things I know. I know, like, like Adagio, I knew exactly what I wanted to do right away. It didn't matter. No one's opinion would, was going to sway me. I heard it in my head already, and it was done. But if I have, like things where I'm not sure on like I'm, I'm I welcome all the opinions just so I can make sure that it's exactly where it needs to be so I'll reach that point where I need input yeah what about you guys I you know I I always did it and Orion's always around uh, but doesn't really pay attention right so I didn't really think about it much um I guess I write alone just kind of because of that but i think if someone were around doesn't bother you i don't i don't know if it would i mean my system is that uh usually you know Vito will be you know doing the demos and stuff with you guys and then he does all like his guitar pros and then he sends them along to me and i kind of look at what the guitars are doing because i'm much more of a visual learner than an audio so i kind of need to that direction of like oh these are the riffs and these are kind of what's going on and so i'll sit there and i'll i'll look at what he's doing and i'll try and find okay where could the bass kind of you know fit with with this guitar here and so there's a lot of work that i'll do kind of with my guitar right here and my computer right here and i'm kind of going back and forth i'm playing some things and oh you know i kind of like that and i'm going to put that into you know guitar pro so i can remember what i'm doing kind of thing mm -hmm. and so i kind of build it up like that and then once i've got the skeleton of what I think I want to play. Then I start fleshing it out more and more. Um, but Vito, I mean, like, what about you? I mean, I know you're alone most of the time anyway. But I, I, I mean, what are you trying to say? That I'm sad and lonely? No, <laughs> this fucking do, guy. Do you over have here. to get rid of the cats? No, the cats room? definitely get locked in the bathroom if I have to write something because I don't want them looking at me. Well, that's what I mean. Um, it's not just about people. I mean, just like distractions <laughs> of any kind. Like, do you have to really focus? Yeah, because man, I get distracted very easily. So it's usually like Mike, I'll sit down with the guitar and the Guitar Pro, and I'll kind of map stuff out that way. Because I'm more a visual owner like Mike is. Do you let your cats watch you when you poop? Yeah, they come in and I, when I shower and stuff. So there's a visual for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> cats walk in and look at them and I'm like, what did you eat? I know a lot of people with cats, and the cats are like, hey, you're pooping, let me come in. Just they have to go in every yeah every place in the house they follow me around and they yeah. have to be in that room so yeah my cats are kind of the same way man they, they go crazy like, what, are what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing why are you why are you in there why is the door closed it's like <laughs> fucking chill like i'm just gonna go run up on them when they're shitting in the fucking cat <laughs> box your face. suddenly look at them and be like are you pooping are you pooping now huh? i was pooping oh huh? it's a good litter you scratch the litter huh? Fuck it. how do you like it uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much always alone when I'm working on this stuff. I'm either, you know, listening. I usually like to listen to the the demos from the jam room and then just kind of... Do you always write in the jam room? Or do you, do you like, write drum stuff at home on, like, the practice pad or anything? Or do you, do no, you come up I, with stuff it's more, in front of your kit? Yeah, it's more mental, just yeah? listening to the songs and deciding if I like the parts or not and then trying to visualize or... Not visualize, but hear things and then I go to my rehearsal spot and then I'll work on some stuff 
There, there's some experimentation too with just, you know, trying out different patterns or something like that, trying to come out with good fill, something like that. So, right. gotta answer your own question too. What about you? I need people to leave me the fuck alone. Just get the fuck away from me. Jesus Christ. Oh, but you mean about writing? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that too. Yeah, no, I, I, I. Writing is a pain in the ass for me, man. Like, I'll either go through periods where, like, I'll I'll think of four or five awesome ideas all at once, or I could go, like, two months without having anything. So, yeah, I need to be... Well, anybody that's been around me, especially when I'm driving or basically anywhere, you know, knows that, like, I suddenly will start getting ideas in my head, and they could be talking to me. There, there could be stuff going on, and then I just sort of, like, zone out, and it's like, oh, yeah, we lost him. Oh, yeah, there's like, times all the time where I'm just, like, sitting at the bar thinking about a song, and someone's talking to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And I'm just, like, I'll just be thinking about music. Like, I, I, it's just, like, stuff that's coming into my head, and it's like I sort of... I, I sort of block everybody else and everything else out. So moving on, we're getting into the second half right about of the album the next song is what adagio adagio now people ask me what that means too something that's just very slow moving right I, that's pretty yep it's just obvious. another it's a fancy word for slow right well in uh like musical notation mm-hmm. right it says adagio adagio for strings <clears throat> it's one of the saddest right well i think compositions just, ever i think just in general when it says adagio that is you know it's kind of like uh Presto or Allegro, where it's defining the tempo and the spirit mm-hmm. of Presto. music. But it's amazing how Abracadabra. many people don't know that. It's amazing no. how many people just mm-hmm. don't, you know, if they're. You know. What's an ad dagio? What is that all about? A dagio. Look at this fucking adagio over here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new slang term. <laughs> this is one of my favorite songs on the record. I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that as well. I really like this song. I remember when we just like when we first started putting it together, I was just like, "Oh yeah, okay, we got something, something pretty cool here." You know, as it, it, this was just one of those that sort of came together, yeah, really well. I know that main riff is mine, but did we kind of collaborate on this one, or some of the riffs yours too? Like one of those ones I didn't come in. Like I don't think either of us came in with like a demo of it. It was more like me, you, and Gary putting it together. I don't think any of the riffs are things that I came up with, but we might have like I think you talked about arrangement some or yeah, something. Yeah, because some parts of it remind me of you, like mm-hmm. some of the, you know, like uh, your your kind of movements and stuff. This uh, this was the one I was really worried that people were going to be like, oh, this is so reminiscent of the British Big Three bands and all that stuff. But I think by the time we got done with the song. It didn't resemble that as much as it did when we were first just like writing the riffs. Because I remember even when I went to Paul and played it for him, I'm like, okay, this is right off the bat. You're gonna be like, okay, this is this is definitely got like a brightish kind of feel to it and everything. Although, like I said, my take on that riff was really thinking more like Chris DeGarmo Queensrÿche, yeah. you know, than than anything, but put it through our filter and it's going to sound like that but um who came up with the chorus 
That's what I was trying to remember. I honestly don't. I think it's mine. I but, think all the riffs are yours. But but it. This is one of those again. This is one of those cases where some of the other songs. There's songs that like a huge majority of it was kind of put together at home by either Vito or I, and then it was brought to the band, and then the other thirty percent of it was you know embellished upon. But this one, I think, from beginning to end, was pretty much like a jam room composition. I had that opening riff thing and then we were just sort of like riffing off each other being like oh maybe it should go into something kind of like this and then you know coming up with a riff and then Vito's like well you know sort of like plays it his way and I'm like okay wait a minute that's better than the way I was riffing it you know what I mean like that sort of thing um I still haven't decided as much as I like this song I still haven't decided how I feel about no offense Ben the keyboard interlude in the middle i love that keyboard interlude oh, in the man. middle <laughs> but you, there's a reason you love that isn't there? yes <laughs> and it is it reminds me of a certain band that no one else would have thought that we would have been influenced by or inspired by to put something that sounding in a song i think and who is that it's a german band <laughs> you're talking about rammstein yes of course i'm talking about rammstein <laughs> And, and and when you kind of were, like, explaining it to me at the time, you were like, oh, sort of. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But when I first heard it, when because when Ben first brought it in, he had way more layers. It was, like, huge yeah. sounding. And it was like, Which Whoa. Ben does, which is awesome. He'll give and, us, like, a shit ton of stuff. We're like, oh, that's great, but let's kind of, like, tone it down a little bit. But. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but... I'm just saying, like, he gave us, like, all, all this, and it was like, whoa, that's way too big for what we had pictured for that part. I wanted it really, really subdued. And Chris sort of, like, started going through the layers and breaking it down, and then he was like, well, I think it should be this. And it came to that, that kind of thing, X-Files sounding yeah, fucking yeah. thing. And uh, you and Ben, like, everybody was like, fuck yeah, and I was like, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know. That's not at all what I pictured for this. I pictured it to be, I almost pictured it to be more like, um, like a scratchy old '78 record playing, uh, you know, like a music box or something really fucking creepy. And I think you had demoed it that way with some yes. kind of effect or something on your guitar. Yes, I or... had that. That part I did demo, and it hits me weird. Every time it comes in and yep. I hear it, I think I'm on the same page as you. I don't dislike it. It sounds very out of place. And maybe that's kind of what makes it work a little bit. Because well, it is a bit of, uncomfortable for me when it pops in and I go, hmm. That's how it ended up kind of selling itself to me in the end and going, all right. Yeah, like, yeah, it's cool. It's different. It, you know, we've done so many of those quiet interlude things that it's like trying to make them different. It, it can be a challenge. So then I was like, okay. Yeah, well, you know it's fine, but still, when I listen to it, you know, even when when I did the radio show last week with Ken, um, did that interview, and it was playing, and we're just sitting there talking, and I, and that part came on, and still, even just I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this, and we've gotten a couple people in reviews that pointed it out, like, oh, this part's kind of weird, and I'm just like, man, I. I I can't argue with that. You know, it, it is definitely different. Different isn't necessarily always bad. It's just jarring. It's a different color. 
Yeah. It's definitely a different color. This song for me is one of, I think it might be my favorite solo of yours on the record. Yeah. It's... Well, here's the interesting thing about that. I, I, it's great. I really like that solo. I'm really happy everybody seems to really like that solo. Here's where I shot myself right in the dick with it. I wrote that solo on a standard tune guitar. <laughs> the rest of the song is not played on a standard <laughs> tune guitar. So then we come to things like, hey, let's play the whole album live at our first show and everything. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Because how the fuck am I supposed to do this? Well, thank God Vito for Christmas bought me a Digitech drop tune pedal. <laughs> So I've been trying to figure out a way like I can play this on one guitar. Otherwise, I would literally have to, during the X-Files Rammstein part, I would have to change guitars. Oh, man. <laughs> to play the guitar solo, which and is fine. Then... <laughs> but then I'd have to, like, change back. You know, Take it a, off and just throw get it a to double somebody offside. Hey, hey. Yeah. Get a double neck, dude. Not Vito. Yeah. A double neck. There you go. Mike's got the answer. I could Richie Sambora it. Borrow Petrucci's double neck. One baritone, one standard. Really? Petrucci has that? Oh, yeah. Well, call that motherfucker up. Tell him I want it. Tell him to give me that shit. He don't need it. They have one song where they're tuned down to C, and then the bottom one is like a drop D guitar. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Well. Dude, the tuning on this album. Oh, I'm fucking! So we'll get into we'll get into that <laughs> we'll get into that in a song or two. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, it was just and people might be like, well, why the fuck did you do that? Why don't you just play it all on the down tune? Because there's certain notes I hit that on the down tune guitar I'd never be able to hit it. So I even thought about like oh, I could I could rewrite the solo. I could play it a little different live. But I like the solo so much the way it's composed. I don't want to change the solo. Right. You know. Right. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, like I said, I've started. I've started figuring out how to use the standard guitar with the drop pedal and knock on wood. Here, it seems to be working out. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh my God! All the alternate tunings on this fucking album. What's the next song on the list? Uh, Blacklight. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that one is not too bad. But I know no. we get into a fucking tuning thing. I think on the next song, and we'll, yes. we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, Blacklight. That one seems to be really popular with a lot of people, and I'm kind of surprised. Blacklight is in my bottom two for this record. Yeah. Not a fan of the, and, and it. Okay, no, I, I take that back. I'm not saying that it's a bad song or I'm not a fan of. It. It is, to me, Blacklight is is one of the uh, November's Doom staples. Okay. It, it's... it's is that a November's Doom song? Yeah, yeah, it is. Paint by Numbers, November's Doom, pretty much. There it is. That's what I would expect. <laughs> and it's just, it, it doesn't make it a bad song. It doesn't, but I just think as far as like where my interest is with the other songs, this one doesn't grab me quite like the other songs do. Not a bad song. It's just not like as interesting to me to listen to as some of the other ones. Probably my least favorite on the album. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I thought it'd be your favorite. You would think, but everything else is is uh, came out awesome. I mean, not that that came out bad or anything, but I think it's it's Paul articulated it very well. It's well, just kind of 
not as interesting as, as a lot of the other stuff to me. There's been a lot of shocking statements from you today. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was your favorite song. I love. I the thought Gallows. you thought Nephilim Grove was the worst song, and hmm. I didn't know you knew who Fear Factory was. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Man, oh man. No, I do love the riff on it. Um, You know, I mean, just because it's my least, like, some song has to be your least favorite song on the album. Right, and that's the way I look at it, too. I'm not saying it's a bad song or it doesn't belong. I'm just saying, out of everything else on this record, Mm -hmm. this this is definitely the bottom half for me. I like this song more than that. I love the chorus. Uh, Yeah, no, I I really like this song. This song started out being one of those sort of like meh indifferent kind of ones like I liked it like I was like oh it's definitely more than good enough to be on the album and everything but it wasn't one that I was like really excited about and now I think this is another one after playing it and stuff that I'm like yeah I look forward to this song see I'm the exact opposite with this one playing it to me it doesn't have and maybe it's just a mental thing in my I'm I have that problem live vocals especially with my growls anyway and that's probably why I blow my fucking voice out I never think I sound as good or as powerful or as strong as I should be sounding so I push that much harder live to try to get my voice in my head to where it sounds like on the record like I can listen to my growls on this recorder and I go man that sounds heavy and then we get in the room and I'm growling I'm like this is not fucking heavy enough and I push harder and harder so for me it's not living up to the album sound when we play it live. It's just not there. Interesting. It's not heavy enough, and, and it probably is. It's probably all in my head, but... It's because you refuse to get in-ears. You're right. It's not that I refuse. Don't you remember when we were drunk as fuck in Madrid and I you know. promised you were going to get in-ears? I still promise you. I, I want in-ears. <laughs> so if there's anybody listening who can hook me up with some real good in-ears... Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we need to talk about that. You I know, really... I, I'm with no, you. No, you need it. Especially we go on tour because, yeah, man, I, I blow my voice out quick because I over push. We will look into that. Just think you. about how much more clarity you'll get on the bass with in ear monitors. I could just have you off completely. <laughs> think <laughs> about how awesome that'll be because not only can you tell them, turn the fucking bass off in my in ears, but you'll also have them to kind of like block out the fucking <laughs> on stage massive volume that comes from the fucking bass amp oh. at all times. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> I think this song did sound good, though, when we were rehearsing it the other day, hearing it live. I think it's going to translate really well. Dude, I, I love playing that song, if only just for the part in the verses when it switches to the fucking mm-hmm. down, the down picking. Oh, the riff is fantastic. Absolutely. It's a really fun, those verse riffs are so fun to play. They're just so... upset we couldn't get Jamie Josta the guest on, on this it, That song, is a total hate breed part. Know, it's... It, it is totally, like... Yeah, total hate breed kind of like, yeah. Vito needs to put his fucking baseball hat on. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, yeah, hmm. absolutely. I just might, I don't know. Um, what about you, Gary? You like this song? Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the album, but it's... No, it's uh, not my favorite, but I, yeah, I, I like it. I do it. like it. I like playing it. I like it a lot. It's one of uh, three songs that have blast beats in them on this album. So yeah. It's, it's cool. So it's definitely my top three. Uh, <laughs> it's, all, it's just it's all blast beats all yeah. the time yeah or it's shit <laughs> and th- no, this uh, song almost didn't even make it to the album if you remember yeah. like the oh, first version i brought right. in like yeah 
I had some weird verse thing that like didn't make any sense, but I thought it did. But you guys were like, "What the Poor fuck are you all. playing?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm always seeing it. Always got it, denied. It always falls on me, folks. Like I, I feel no, we so bad. Like, yeah, I, I feel so bad because like Vito is always trying to. Here's the thing. Here's what's frustrating about it. Because you guys are saying you're sitting there saying like, "Oh, it feels kind of like Paint by Numbers, November's Doom, blah blah blah." And it's frustrating, I'm sure, for Vito because Vito tries really hard to not write paint by numbers November's Doom shit. And he'll be like, oh, well, here's this. And then he comes in with something, and we're like, oh, that's way too weird. Like, that's. But God damn it, you said not to write cookie shit. Right. It's, it's, it's so we're just like impossible to please. But yeah, it, you, it, Vito will come in with these things. It's like, oh, well, it's got these kind of like time change things and stuff. And then it's just like, I hear it, and I kind of. End up making that tilted head dog thing, like when dogs hear something weird, like, like, I don't, what, what are you doing there? I don't, I don't quite grasp the way that's supposed to transition. It almost sounds like the record skipped or something. But I, but I get it. But I, but that being said, I do think we successfully managed to integrate some of that on this yes. record. And we've started, and in this song too. Yeah, and you came up with that seven four part during like the right. pre-chorus, right? Right. Yes. Exactly. And and I was happy to report that we we made headway <laughs> with that, and we started getting somewhere with it. But the song's got a time signature change in the middle of it too, doesn't it? That it go from like what? Four. What, what, well, no, what no, are we no, just no, fucking no. talking about? I, I, no, no. I mean, it goes from Clean like out, buddy. it goes from four four to six eight. Well, it right. goes like four four to seven four, back to four four, and right. then yeah, then like okay. the bridge is like right. six eight, and then yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess it's multiple times. Yeah, versions. and the next song has that as well, and everything. So we, you did manage to get you, you're you're creeping it in there, man. You know, so just think, five albums from now, dude, I'll be dead. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna <laughs> say. yeah. holy fuck. <laughs> then me and Vito and Mike will finally be able to write a good November. Yeah, there we go. Wow. <laughs> Gary, if I die. <laughs> You can have it. <laughs> you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Get that in writing, Gary. It's all yours. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know how? Well, you've got this. This is legal. Yeah. I mean, you can put this out That's there. It. It's video yeah. and everything. You know. Uh, yeah. You know how you've got like Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper. We could have Gary Naples November's Doom. <laughs> all blast beats. That's Just awesome. straight up. That's it. All right. I'll do the basement at Penny Road Pub. <laughs> the song changing it, what should have been. He can, yeah. he can all, kinds of, like, all kinds of fucking name changes for the uh, shit. He'd be like, he blasted it. Now you know what should have been. <laughs> no more pussy songs. <laughs> Did redo the whole first album, Blast Beats. Hey, over the same idea. riffs, though. <laughs> I could picture that, actually. Anyway, moving on. The Clearing Blind. Okay, now, I'll take the lead on this one. <laughs> this is a song that I was not feeling. Not, again, not that it was bad, but I just wasn't connecting to it. And I, I'm still working on that. But I have now since... This is a case where I like it more playing it, even though I'm still figuring out how to fucking play it right and we'll get into that in a minute but like I feel like this song has a little bit more oomph for me when we're in the room and we're playing it than when I listen to it on the record 
this song has transitioned to being in one to being one that I like. I would have initially said, "Oh yeah, this is like a bottom two kind of thing for me," and now it's it's like working its way up there. I'm really starting to like this song a lot more. Hmm. So, yeah, it's probably one of my more favorite ones. On the I album. know, yeah, I, I knew that because right away, like you called me in the very beginning, and you're like, "Clearing Blind should be the single." <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it should. I like. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like tonight's decision catatonia but i could see that with more heavier stuff yep mixed in there yeah i've, I've read that in reviews too i see that in reviews all the it's time it's the obvious and catatonia like, influence it's like uh, it's uh, not dude. where i yeah. was coming from with this at all but um it's it, it but it's i it's your phrasing okay yeah exactly you don't sound like Jonas but you you it's your phrasing you went for in this and everything mixed with Vito's kind of yeah it's Greg Laswell newer not new metal but newer metal influences and stuff you know yeah, like all, that this I was think all Greg Laswell catatone was, yeah like it's only the verses too that well me right that, yeah. and I think but I think that it's this is one of another one of those cases where it just happens to be that your guys' influences for it are similar-ish. Similar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that necessarily that Jonas right. from Catatonia is influenced by Greg Laswell, but the style, that style that he's influenced by, or the style because Catatonia are into that. You know, they they like that kind of. Um, uh, uh, what's your band that you like so much? The, the, the baritones. Um, which one? <laughs> all, all the bands. I can't think of it. Uh, one of your favorite ones. We went and saw them. Breaking Benjamin? That's one of them. And the other one. Chevelle? Chevelle. No. Those guys, like, they're, I know they're into that kind of stuff. They like that kind of, you know, so I'm sure that's where... But you don't really listen to Catatonia. No, and for this, musically, this song is like Seven Dust, especially well, the, the tuning and Dream Theater. Mm. So... Those are like musically influenced or inspired, whatever. A a big thing on this record, too, that I've never done before, and it worked out, I think, in in a more creative way. A lot of this stuff, you three guys, or or you guys were working with Gary, and I was getting tracks from Vito where it was just guitar and a click. So I started writing vocals to guitar and a click. I had no idea what the dynamics were for the rest of the band. So then when everything came together and I heard it, I went, oh, man, if I'd have known Gary was putting blast beats over that part, I probably would have done something completely different, but I'm glad. Like in Blacklight. I think that yeah. that would have made it even more cookie-cutter, standard, right. paint by numbers November's Doom. And because of the way a lot of this was written this time, it, it did change some of that and made it a bit more different and creative. So I kind of like the way that worked out this time. And I know this song was another one. I think, um, oh, I forget. Maybe it was uh, what we become even when I came in. You're like, oh, I didn't expect you to go that direction with it at all. Because I didn't hear it with drums or anything yet. I didn't know. It felt more like a mellow song. So yeah, uh, this was another one like that, where if I'd have heard the completed version of it first, I may have made different choices, even in my phrasing and everything. This is actually probably 1A for me after Adagio. Okay. Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs on the album, too. I like this one a lot. And it's surprising to hear Vito talk about all the bands that inspired it for him, because none of those are really bands that I ever listened to. Um, 
But it's a lot of fun to play. I like where the song went a lot. I like that I don't have to retune. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, well. <laughs> I should get into one of the reasons that I said, you know, it wasn't one of the reasons that I uh, said we should not release this as a single <laughs> was not so much because it's a good or bad song, but because this is another incident of uh, Vito's infamous I gotta come up with a different tuning because I'm bored. Pretty much. Like the sequel to Zephyr. I like that we came up with a working title that reflected the uh, guitar tuning, too. That's true. That was a good one, Gary. I like that one. It was called G-String Divas. Yes, that's right. With the parentheses, hey now. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) Gary thought it reminded of Candlebox. Yeah. The the intro part. Jeez, you said hey now. I went to fucking Larry Sanders show. Hey now. Yeah. (laughs) I thought Hey Ya by Outkast. <laughs> yeah, that song. We're all over the place, man. It's no wonder we're a fucking band. <laughs> now, maybe that's what it was. I'm yeah. sorry, it wasn't Hey Now. No, it was Now Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. now you're, you're, you're fucking wrong, and we went on a tangent on something whoa, wrong. Whoa, sorry. Wait a minute. For the for the intro of the song? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That little. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it. Okay. How'd that go? <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, I always so, do air guitar and play bass. I, I yeah, <laughs> left-handed. left-handed. Yeah. Oh, I am man. left-handed for certain things. Are you? Yeah. Are like, you more like ambidextrous? Yeah. Kind of? Like I like throw with my left hand, hmm. but I bat or play golf right-handed. I drum right-handed. Which which hands get gets the dick? He's a big fan of the stranger. Yeah. Yeah. I switch it. Okay. Yeah. I played with a bass player a long time ago. I can't even remember his name. It was a very brief time. And he, he was right-handed for everything, but he played bass the other way. And I asked him, what's that about? And he said, the only thing he can uh, like explain it is for years and years and years playing air guitar. And then when he finally picked one up, that just was the natural... <laughs> It was like a very bizarre explanation. But I don't know well, some people any. are just ambidextrous like yeah. that. Yeah, mm. that's, but it's the that's only weird. thing he did, left-handed. Yeah, when I started playing drums, I told my drum teacher that I was more left-handed based. So he, I started playing drums open hand. So I played a right-hand drum kit, but everything would be right. open hand. Like Mike Mangini. Yeah. Is that what Hulk Hoagland does? Is he more of an open hander? Because he's Hulk always Hulk kind of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Gene Hoagland. Yeah. Hulk Hoagland. Uh, yeah. Hulk Hoagland. <laughs> Hulk Hoagland. I got these blast yeah. beats coming up. I got you, brother! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, brother, when I play my blast beats, it goes full on. <laughs> if he sees this, he's going to kick all of our asses. No, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he's, no, he could kick our asses, but he's uh, not going to see said, it. Hulk, I thought you were talking about Hulk Hogan. Never mind. <laughs> no. no, he's talking about Hulk Hoagland. Okay. Gene Hoagland. Jesus Christ. I think everybody knew this. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So what made you decide to finally switch? Uh, I just saw a lot of... Yeah. I just saw I just saw a lot of drummers playing, you know, cross-handed, and I was like, well, I probably should do that. So I did. Yeah. Here I am. Wow. But anyway, getting back to the tuning. So this thing... So this is in drop G. Uh... Yeah, I, well, it's not really drop G, but it's a G-based tuning. We're dropping the G, the 
the the six string all the way down to G, but all the rest of the strings stay where they're at. So it's completely ridiculous. It's like so, three steps down or something. Yeah. So drop A sharp, and then the low string is down another step and a half. <laughs> or if you had a seven string, you would just take off your E string and then tune everything down two steps. You see what I have to deal with. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to know any of this shit. I, it doesn't matter. And when I explain it that way, people look at me cross-eyed for some reason. Dude, Canada is going to have so many guitars to lose <laughs> so, on our next trip dude. over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They're going to be like, we got eight guitars. <laughs> well, you know, this stupid-ass band travels with this many guitars. They deserve to have them taken away. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We may work it out, but I don't know if Clearing Blind is the kind of is a song that we will be playing at all our shows, especially when traveling on Air Canada or Qantas or whatever we're gonna be flying on. But it is a it is a good ass song. I like this song. It's got my favorite vocal performance on one section of the when I when I walk over your solo. Oh, that set, section you're talking solo. about, Paul? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea again because what did I get? I got your guitar stuff with a click track. I didn't know what was supposed to go there. Maybe if you demoed your fucking solo well, with the demo you sent me. Oh, well, that was also because I can remember, like, up to pretty late in the game, being like, hey, dude, have you worked on that solo yet? Yeah, yeah, I got to work on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I got I to work on it. It was like, God. Like, I had no idea where <laughs> solo was going to go. And then I got it, and I came up with it, and I'm like, oh, man, I really love what I'm doing here. And then, and then I heard, you know. Behind my back, all the shit talking about how I <laughs> fucked him out of a solo spot and walked on his shit. And I'm like, hey, you just needed to say something. But and what was cool is Ben took my original solo idea and he yeah. made it into a keyboard part that underlays your vocals. And, it, yeah, and it's that, yeah, it's great. I, it's I awesome. I love that part of the song. Yeah. Dream theatery proggy. Fuck yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> and Dito was like, I'm good. I think it's great. I think it came out really good. I get what you're saying about being able to perform it. That could be a big fucking... That's my only real complaint about the song at this point is just that from a performing standpoint, and it's awkward for me because it's easier for Vito to play it because he came up with it. Yeah. Even if you come up with some fucking bizarro weird thing, if you're the one that came up with it, it it just kind of makes more sense to you. But for me to suddenly have to jump in there and it's like... so much of playing music, especially like, you know, I'm an old dog, you know, and it's like trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. So it's like so much of playing music is just like muscle memory, automatic, you know what I mean? Like just knowing how to, knowing where to go. And so when you suddenly have an instrument that is not where you're supposed to go and you're, because I can hear, I can hear the music patterns, you know, Automatically, even without picking up a guitar, I know where the, what those notes are. I've got really good pitch, and I know how patterns are. I know, like, oh, this is going to be this, it's moving, it's a half-step movement. But when you hand me a guitar that isn't fucking tuned right, and I automatically, in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, no, it's, oh, I got to go here instead of here? Like, you know, when my octave chord it should be up on the seventh fret, but it's like, no, bro, it's on the second fret. It's like, that's a big fucking difference. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to do the alternate tuning thing, because I would get stuck in these patterns of, I, totally I have to play it. these frets, and I can only play these chord shapes. But now you can't do that in that tuning, because it sounds like fucking shit. Totally So you got to, like, re, you know, do it's everything. just a pain in my dick. All right, so Larry's got to suffer so that Vito can stay interested. 
I got it. That's all right. I've he's well, had to suffer. Do sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> Vito's had to suffer with some of the things I come up with, where he's just like, I don't get where you're going with that. Doesn't matter to me. I did the whole album in one tuning. Yeah, I'm gonna make you get like a fan fret 37 inch bass just so we can play these songs <laughs> with the proper it in low a way string. That, yeah, you cannot possibly play it on your your standard bass. Yep. All right, moving on. Still wrath. So, what do you guys think of this song? One of my favorites. Really? Me too. Bottom two with black light Probably. for the same reason. I, I in my mind, I am just not hearing this as bold and as powerful as it it should be live. It's it's la- and again. Maybe it's my fucking, I need in-ears. I don't know. But just doing this song live lowered its value to me. And it might just be now because we're, we're not there yet performing it live. At least I'm not there yet performing it live. So we'll see. What do you think of this? Uh, oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites on Is the it? album. Yeah. You too? Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I like it pretty good. Yeah. I liked it more before we started rehearsing it. Yeah, I mean, it's super I, fun I think to play. I'm with you. I think I'm with you, man. Because I, I originally thought this was like a song for a video. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Everything. And now I'm sort of like, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's something. I, I still nah, I still really like this song. I wouldn't say this is like a bottom two type song for me, but it it has changed a little bit. I Maybe as we go, maybe if we put a little more time into it. It, maybe at some point it'll click, it'll come together, and it'll be better and stuff. But it's hard calling any of this stuff bottom two because I don't think there's a bad song. No, no, no. Really. That's why I say when I say bottom two, I don't mean like this song sucks, but I just mean like in terms of songs that I'm really enthusiastic about or really love to play, really like to listen to. This song has, I think, some of your angriest sounding growls, especially in the bridge. Well, this song is just. Man, like you legitimately <laughs> sound angry. Yes, and it's with, an angry like, song. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's not just fueled by me. Yeah, you know, totally. I, I, I'm, I won't get into anybody else's personal shit, but it, it's, it's, it's a story that you know, again, that a lot of people fucking go through. Yeah, close to me or or whatever, and it, it's a, it's a. You know, it's a personal song, but it's not a personal song. It's, right. It's a, it's a personal song, but it, it it touches a lot of fucking people in an angry way. So, yeah, I, I had a lot on my mind, more so for other people than myself. Right. Um, But it's angry, for sure, and it should be fucking angry. And, and I think yeah. that might be my issue with it, at least for now live, like you said. I'm not like reaching that level that I feel it needs to be live with my own right. performance. And if I can't do that, it loses that impact. And that's that's what's bothering me a lot when we rehearse this. That's what I'm saying. This song feels like it's not cuz that's what I said when we finished the record and I heard the song I was like, "Fuck, this song's fucking Oh, oh my absolutely. god. Like this is a punch in the face, you know? Like it's so but now, like, when we're playing it, I'm just like, oh, it's not it's not getting there, you know? Like, there's something about it that's not... So I don't know if maybe we'll find that. You know, maybe at some point we'll... we'll, we'll it'll find its, like, vigor that it's that it needs, you know? Do we need to get another growler on stage with you to, like, double it up for this one? Or what, what do you think? Maybe help, man. Maybe. Maybe you can just get on the mic and... Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, well, see, you know what? Then don't offer fucking hell, you know? <laughs> if you love me, Vito, you would fucking help me. I, I get it. That's all right. I don't know what the answer is. And it, again, 
I might be hearing it completely different than everybody else, and everybody else be like, dude, you're crazy, but... Vito, if you kicked him in the nuts right before we played, maybe he'd be sufficiently angry enough. But say. then his voice would be higher. I usually, when we play live mic, the bass is so fucking loud yeah. on stage, I'm angry from beginning to end. Angry. I'm almost like Hulk angry. That's... We'll have, to, we'll have to see how the, the holiday horror shows go. Maybe it's like the angriest performance he's had on this song yet because of your bass tone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. And we capture that and remind you that, hey, you can get that way for this it's song. another mm-hmm. month of rehearsing these songs, and I might feel completely different about everything yet again. In my mind, we're still a little fresh on this, and we're still right. kind of following or finding where we need to be with our performance on this. So. Well, fortunately, I have two bass cabinets. I could put one on each side for you. Maybe just... Like and we'll duct tape them in my head, one on each side, so I can really, you know, hear nothing but your fucking bass in my in my ears. So yeah, here, yeah, Mike, play that when you're line checking. Hey, Mike, play that one same fucking Iron Maiden bass line you play every fucking time. Every fucking time. Ten years. Ten years. We have officially said this month, right? Yes. Like two days ago. Yeah. 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 We Mike has officially Did my first show on uh, November fourteenth of twenty oh. Happy anniversary, yeah. Mike. Thank you. Ten, 10 years. Mm-hmm. When's your ten year? Uh, what did I join in twenty twelve? Twenty eleven. Was it twenty eleven? Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Twenty eleven. Right. So you're at a, you're at about eight somewhere around there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and I think the first show we played was we did like a short set at Holiday Horrors that year I think you might be right yeah yes yeah we, we just played did ha- like a half hour set yeah we played holiday horrors <laughs> that year yep yeah, yeah Reggie's was my first show with him too mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah and, <clears throat> and yeah his first show with us was the show the day David Gold died wow yeah cause shortly after that we went to Canada and played that's right yeah that's right and it was cause remember I started playing the riff for wet leather just like uh, off the cuff because we were talking about yeah. David on stage and everything not to make get things all somber and yeah. depressing but yeah that's that's why that gig stands out in my mind because I remember we found out that morning wow. about yeah. David and everything and that was like Gary's first gig man it's been a long ass eight years hasn't it Gary? yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like to think it's only been eight years it's like holy shit it's only been eight years it feels like a fucking eternity yeah no I know <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to believe it's only been eight years. We've done a lot in eight years. That's true, yeah. Put out three records. Mm-hmm. Did so a lot of traveling. It's yeah. probably the longest stable lineup then, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. This lineup? Yeah, Absolutely. Down. Yeah, because so we've had... So, yeah, eight years we've had a stable lineup. I, Every year or two, it seems like we were flipping somebody. The Obelis. The Obelis, yeah. So, the fuck does this mean? The obelis is the whenever someone is written about in text and they are deceased, it is like the little dagger icon or the little cross symbol. That is what an obelis is. So it's it's uh, speaking of the deceased in text. So the obelis itself, as as my daughter, I hate this song. <laughs> it's, it's just about a house. It's not about a house at all. The house is 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 the mind again. It goes back to something like that, and it's about. Um, yeah, de- dealing with again your inner demons and, and the ghosts and everything, and it's it's all about like getting rid of, burning away, shedding the the, the negative from your mind, so you can move on and live mm-hmm. a happy life. You so, said it was a happy home. Yeah, yeah. 
It is not about a house. So this is... I, can we all agree that this is definitely the most different song on the record? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a love or hate type song, I think. Yeah. People seem to really react to this, where they're like, man, this is really... But here's the weird thing about it. So people say that, and I agree with them, and we knew that, but then at the same time, I think to the degree that some people are taking it, where they're like, oh my god, it's so different. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not that different. I mean... Yeah, I saw. I read one thing where somebody was saying this song was weird because it was our most untempo song ever. And that yeah, was, that's so I was kind of like, the song before it, Still Wrath, <laughs> is the highest we've ever set a metronome. <laughs> yeah. In the studio. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, it's... That's the fastest song. <laughs> but see, they don't mean... But when they talk about up-tempo, they don't mean fast. That's no, a yeah, problem. It's that's true, yeah. Guitar yeah. Stuff. It's another case of people not knowing exactly what they're talking about. I think they mean... They mean, like, perky. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they mean, like, upbeat. Perky. And the funny thing about it is, is it's not upbeat at all, actually. You know, like it's it's actually a dark song. It could have been done differently, like with different beats and stuff. I could hear almost like a power metal type of thing happening with the. With if you the, put a Stradivarius beat over those verses, dude, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with because your guitars, you're you know, you're going those sixteenth notes, and you got a lot of cool melodic stuff happening behind it. And yeah, if you had like the the sixteenth notes yeah. driving on the kicks. It, Right, but that wasn't the point of the 16th <laughs> note. Well, no, of course Yeah, not. I mean, I, I, you know, fair enough. I think that, I mean, obviously, as we've talked about in other interviews and things, first and foremost, we have the Duran Duran bass line in the <laughs> song, which combined with the Roger Waters pulsing Pink Floyd bass line thing mm-hmm. and everything. So those are some kind of, like, different influences. My influence for this song, no, no, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of you probably aren't going to who was a band called Crippled Black Phoenix? So, Don't know them? Yeah, they're like Crippled Black. Phoenix. Yeah, they're they're like a kind of a weird. I guess, for lack of a better term, they're an alternative band, but they're one of those weird bands you can't really put into a cat like Soulstafir. Like, what is Soulstafir? How how do you categorize that band? You know, there's a lot of bands. They're one of those, and they're from they're they're made up of guys who used to be in heavier bands like a heavier underground bands so they've got these like heavy undertones in there but then they've got these at times almost i don't want to say muse but like sort of they could appeal to some muse fans they can appeal to interpol fans they can appeal, you know so an alternative kind of thing but that they were a big influence on like direct influence on this song and it was how i heard it in my head when i wrote it so then when you get everybody else's influence, when you get Mike's Duran Duran bass line, which is wonderful, and then what you went for vocally, which was not at all how I pictured it at all. Like, I pictured something a little bit more, uh, I guess like Cripple Black Phoenix, like something a little bit more somber, sinister kind of bubbling under a little bit, and you went for this bold, yeah, bold melody that really, and then and then you threw in that that. Lead, it's that Lee Dorian vocal in there, and it just it, to- it turned this into something totally else. It's funny you mentioned Muse because that's exactly like 
where my head went, like hearing it. I wanted that driving multi-layer vocal. Right. Like so you kind of picked up on that, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was it was to me the 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 driving feel. I, I just felt the bigger I could get with the vocals, the better that was going to be. I, I adore this song. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's probably top three for me on this record. Okay. Maybe top two. Okay. How do you guys feel about it? So it's, it's <laughs> Look at Vito's from... face. He's just like, <laughs> all right, I got to think of something uh, decent to say about well, it. Well, it's good. No, it's, it's probably at the bottom. Just because, dude, when I, I had such a hard time with this song, Larry, like recording it, as oh, you so know. I. Man, writing the dive, this was my biggest struggle, and I think that's why I'm so, like, proud of the final, because it yeah. was so hard. And now it's like, man, it came out fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just not grasping some of your riffs in this one, you know. No, I'm not. That doesn't bother me. I totally understand. What about you? I I enjoyed writing the song, coming up with my parts. Like, once I, once I found my direction it all came together fairly quickly and easily for me right um since we've started playing it this is one of those ones to me that feels a little odd live like we're not there yet Mm -hmm. um i think my biggest problem with the song the chorus is is unusual to me because like the riff it's awkward yeah the riff has a certain melody to it and then he's singing like a counter melody, like a counterpoint melody, and so I've got to not listen to him, or else I'll fuck it up. Right. You know, and that that's that's I totally understand. Disconcerting to me because that's the only song we have that that's ever been a thing where I have to like I, I know actually not pay attention to. I'm the same way. I know <laughs> what I need to sing, mm-hmm. and if I listen to the guitars, I'm gonna be fucked. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I it doesn't matter what. I, as long as I know what I'm supposed to do there. Yeah. So no, I totally get that. Yeah, it's a little unusual, but I mean, I I, I like the song. It's a yeah. lot of fun to play, and I like how it came out. Um, this was the. It seems like on every album, there's the one song that I go into the studio and I'm just not happy with where the drums are for them and sometimes that works out okay or sometimes it works out good like the song that was like that on Blood White was Silent Dark and now I think that's the best song on the album this song to me is like so they're going in it was like that and then now this song to me it's like if I hear it by itself it's not one of my favorites, but in the context of the album, like whenever we've been, I've played the record at friends' parties or whatever, and we've had the listening parties. What in the context of the record, I like it. So, but yeah, it was it was it was the song for me that I didn't feel like I was had come up with anything good on the drums, so I just kind of trusted what you guys advised me on. It. I love your drums on it. Drums are fabulous. On yeah. It. Love hate is the perfect term for me with this song. It's like in some ways I love it. I agree with Gary. I think in the context of the album and on as as it being the ending song and where it goes and how it leaves people with that like impression at the end, I think it's great. As a standalone song, this is not the kind of song that I would go to somebody and be like, here's what my band sounds like, because it's not really a, 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 a representation of who we are, you know. Um, but I don't know. I Yeah, I don't enjoy playing it, 
so much. Yeah, I've already kind of like set in my mind just knowing how everybody feels about it like earlier. I, I know after these first couple of shows we'll probably never come back to this one live. Yeah. Maybe. You never know. I won't say never, so but... I'm going to enjoy the shit out of it on yeah. the next couple of shows because I'm never going to get yeah, it again. I wish we could play the Silent Dark Life. Like I said, that was this, this was that song for me on that album and that's what I think that's... Yeah. If I listen to anything on Blood White, it's going to be that song. Interesting. Hmm. Wow, not not me. I like that song, but that's... Yeah. This one, I can't say it's the top three or it's the bottom two. It, it's like a question mark for me. I, I don't know how I feel about this song. But not for the reason a lot of other people are. Like, well, it's too different for you. But it, it's not that. We need to do something different now and then, people. I'm sorry if you guys get fucking all... Your dick's all fucking in a knot about it and shit. But, like... I know a lot of you are like, I just want to hear you do Autumn Reflection over and over again. Those kind of things. Or I just want to hear you do Pale Haunt Departure over and over again. It's not going to fucking happen, man. So just shut up about that shit. It's Seriously. not like a whole album of uh, The Obelisk is coming out anytime soon. No, so, and it yeah, won't. It know? won't happen for a bunch of reasons. But, but not because or despite of what you guys think of it. It's just we needed to do it. It's good to challenge ourselves. What if it becomes one of those songs that like everyone calls out for? They want to hear it. Then we work at it to make it work. I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that. I think we will. I think if people really want to hear us do this one, though. <laughs> if this was something that the public was like, "Yeah, I really, really, really want to hear you guys play this live," then I would just say, "All right, well, let's work on it." It's it's a weird song translating it to the live. Band because is. there's there's so much going on in that song, it's it's like <laughs> I'm not comparing this song to it in terms of how good it is or how brilliant it is because it's not nowhere near on that level. But it's like Queen trying to do Bohemian Rhapsody live. I mean, right. there is no actual way for the band to play Bohemian Rhapsody in its entirety live. They have to embellish it with backing tapes, or they have to, or whatever, or they'd have to get other people on stage to sing multiple parts and all these other things. It's just one of those songs. It doesn't mean it's a shit song just because the band can't do it exactly the way it was done on record live, but... For this... me, this one, the choruses, yeah. vocally, like, I'll, I'll come up, and I did. There was another vocal part in this originally, which was my dominant vocal part. And then all the other stuff you hear on this were my backing tracks. Right. I had my lower, then I had the higher, which are never usually my dominant. My middle of the road is, is usually my dominant track. Well, we nixed that out of there. So what I was left with... Was the backing layers. Are, are what were supposed to be more my backing layers, exactly, that turned into the dominant vocal performance. So now I'm looking at this going... Oh boy. Okay, so now that dominant is so out of my comfort zone on what I would normally do. It definitely it's a challenge. It's a little difficult, and I know when I do this live, I have to add a little bit more of that grovel or fire in my clean vocal to be able to like belt it out in that area with those notes. It's not under a microscope like it is in the studio, right. where I have more control. Right. Plus, like, there's that layered vocal in the choruses that in theory you'd go, well, Larry, you sing the one part. I can't. Because of the... Uh, yeah, because it's, of it's so odd against what I'm playing on the guitar that uh, I've tried. I've tried it, and I, I mean, I'll keep working on it, but 
Ah, that's, uh, this is one of those songs that we play live probably for as little as we're going to do it. You know, some of those harmonies will be on backing tracks with the keys and stuff like that just to fill it out because, Maybe. yeah. Yeah, is, we'll uh, see. We're going to keep working on it. You know, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. Because but, you've got, you've got, when the vocals first come in, there's a two-part harmony on the lower and then when the dominant part comes in, there's a two-part on the higher. So we have like too many voices for, you know, yeah, for people in the band that refuses to help out on the microphone. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that I don't sing on the. I've never heard you sing, man. So I don't know. You might be like, dude, fucking... wouldn't it wouldn't it be amazing if one day like Vito like just like we're in the van in the middle driving through Tasmania or something like that, and all of a sudden he just busts out and he has this beautiful like. Uh, like operetta, like voice and everything, like uh, Pavarotti. like uh, was that was it stir crazy? Was it stir crazy with Gene Wilder and yeah. Rich, and Richard Pryor with the big bald evil guy and everything in the jail with them, and then the one day all of a sudden he just starts going, oh, he starts singing with this amazing opera voice, and <laughs> they're looking at him like, holy shit, Kong can sing, you know? That'd be that'd be Vito. All of a sudden he just busts out with like. The fucking marriage of Figaro or something like that. It's like the awesome. Three amigos too. They had a scene like that. <laughs> yeah, they did. Fight. The three amigos. That's more fitting for us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> then Mike's the fucking singing bush. <laughs> no, I'll be the invisible gunman. <laughs> Great, you just killed the invisible gunman. But anyway, it's more like the turtle. Well, it is the baseline. That's it. That's he's the turtle. I think we're done. Not just with the podcast. I just think we're done. <laughs> this is it, folks. You just got your last November's Doom get together ever. Yeah. No, that's, that's not true. We've got some plans. We talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we do. So, uh,. Yeah, we're we're going down under next year. So you know, we don't have exact dates, but it is happening and it's moving quickly. So Australia, yep. New Zealand, Tasmania, we're coming. That's so crazy. Diggery dingo <laughs> and Wendell T. Wolf. Oh, sorry. Sing. Go to Tasmania. Go to Tasmania. <laughs> Confirm though, we have holiday horrors and maryland death fest yeah 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 we've got some stateside shows so if you want to come see us play with macabre and a bunch of other kick-ass bands we're playing just before christmas here in chicago at reggie's rock house and then may 20 something we're playing in maryland Mm -hmm. on saturday night yeah we're on saturday night and uh with this member yeah with this This member Not that member. It's It's a couple other shows we're working on. Hopefully, we'll be able to announce something soon. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're working on it. We got a new album to get out there and uh, promote. So that's the only reason we're sitting here talking. Otherwise, got better fucking things to do on a Sunday, you know, and hang out with these fucking Disney Plus, man. There's so much shit on there to watch. I don't even know what I'm doing here. No, it's been fun. Mm -hmm. Always is. So. Let us know what you thought of this, and if you want more Doomcast, because we've had for years people telling us, do the Doomcast again, do the Doomcast again. So should we keep doing this, or are you like, nah, fuck it. Sick of you guys. You don't want this shit. I don't really want to have to talk to you guys anymore. No. Not anymore. Can we do it over the phone? Is there a way we can do it? <laughs> just text each other. <laughs> we'll just put out a book that we'll just, just text. release a transcript. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, we're out. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you on the road. All right, I'm a head out. <laughs> buy that record, will you? Please. Yeah, buy it. Fuck this, guys. <laughs> Everybody's leaving. Mm-hmm. But the true November. Right, yeah, here we go. So yeah, let's talk about what we really thought about this. Uh, <laughs> so Larry's songs. Woo. <laughs>